You are on Line of Sight, a War Machine and Hordes podcast for new and experienced players, sponsored by Broken Egg Games. Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 25 of Line of Sight. My name is Chandler, I'm here again with Jade and how's it going? Hey guys. Oh, you took a lot longer that time. I came yeah. in too early. I put, oh, I, well. I put a pause there to confuse you. I am now embarrassed and sad, that's how yeah. I am. So Jaden uh, is just coming off the high of completely painting a faction, which means you're looking at a new faction, right? Oh Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not one that somebody on this podcast doesn't play, so... <laughs> You're like, well, done with that one. Feels good. Throw them in the trash onto the next one. <laughs> I mean, if by the trash you mean the battle foam bag that I don't ever have to take them out of again, except for to play. Yeah. yeah. True that. Uh, and, of course, we got Brett here. How's it going? What? I was building bliss. That's reasonable. <laughs> That's reasonable. Yeah, we'll just kick into news. We got the Blindwater update. Yeah. Anybody playing minions? So many cool things. Crook Raiders. Oh my god. I don't think Crook Raiders are okay. But they got rid of my two map buffs. I'm very sad about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how 11 Crook Raiders is almost what they used to be. I don't know if that makes them playable again or not. But uh, sure does the Jaga Jaga. Oh, I know, right? (laughs) Yep. I've got I've got the sweet Dracodile list where it's like, all right, if your caster presents itself, it's dead because I'm just gonna blind it. And then yeah. kill it with Coke Raiders. Fun fact, a lot of random things are very playable when you have uh importance. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? That's what that's what we keep you around for. The hard hitting yeah. difficult topic. Um, yeah. I'm here all <laughs> cast. So if you guys have any questions about whether or not Eye of Menoth makes things better than they are without Eye of Menoth, and I can answer that question. <laughs> Do you think? Um, uh, it does, actually, yeah. It turns out plus one, plus one to everything is pretty good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. I, that no, took extensive, I believe that. That was actually extensive testing got me to, to, to that conclusion, so it's science, basically. Um, yeah, so Blindwater CID dropped, uh, not CID, but the, the update from the CID dropped. A um, few changes from what we saw at the end of the CID. Uh, we had the crook rider, uh, guns gaining a pow. That was. And the max unit also went down a point, which is mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, that yep. was a little surprising. Um, they're, they're very, they're, uh, uh reasonably cautious. Aggressively cautious. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, they The other they're... changes were that they backed out, um, the weakened change on the crook hunter. Yeah. They mm-hmm. backed out the applied knowledge change on Linus. Um, I think that's everything. We're trying to think. Uh, yeah, that, that does sound like everything. Yeah. At least out of models that we've seen, because there's still quite a few unreleased things that are like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this oh. is all changes to existing stuff. So. Uh, oh, yeah, the like, theme force. Yeah, they changed Blindwater so you can get free Spirit Cauldrons, which is actually a huge deal. Cause that means that Barnabas... Yeah. Yeah. That means that Barnabas, too, can play in that like really, really well now. Well, then he wants to take Gators, so... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> It's fine. You just have a wave of gators screening Barnabas who goes and kills a heavy every turn. No big deal. Don't get me wrong. I think Barnabas is awesome. Barnabas 2 is awesome. He's got arguably the best acronym in the game. (laughs) Blob. 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 Blob, blob. blob. Every time I see that, I'm like, what? Oh, right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So yeah, a lot of really cool stuff on there. Uh, so check out the Insider from uh, what is it, December twelfth, um, and you'll see the developers' notes on there, which are always really fun to go through. I like all yep. the little little notes about everything. Uh, we got the ATC and LVO coming up. Indeed. Yep. Faster uh, than ATC is like pretty much a month away, right? Like, yeah, a month and a few days. Um, and then LVO is just a couple weeks after that, so. Uh, you guys will be at ATC. I will be at LVO with both of you as well. We'll all be at LVO. Uh, a whole bunch of Utahns going. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Peer pressure. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got, uh, the next mini crate model is soon. The yes. la- I think the cutoff date is probably 
I think it's like before this cast actually drops. But... Uh, yes, it is the day before this cast drops. I Sweet. Think. So basically, it's too, if you haven't bought into her, it's too late. But that uh, model looks. That means wonderful. I need to go update and like get three more. Right. Right. There was part of me Crap. that was like, man, I want like a few of these because I just want to convert a bunch of random models into this model. Just get wrecked. I kind of want to make a harbinger out of her for one. Harbinger. Yeah. Actually, no. Uh, you until the 19th. Oh, what? oh really? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So it's, the it's Dracovel week. comes out this Friday. Yes. Yes. Yep. They, and actually, they, the... they are getting shipped to all the people that pre-ordered on Friday. Yep. And the 12 Factions of Christmas stuff is all out, I think. Yeah. I think it came out like today or yesterday or something. Um, so which means nothing to anybody listening to this, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a uh, whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff is out. Exciting. It's good times. Mm-hmm. Good times. Pretty cool. For sure. Uh, did we get anything from Broken Egg this week? We are in a holding pattern until I talk to Adam and get our super cool announcement sorted out so that we can talk about it. Sounds good. Uh, they got the Company yeah. of Iron tokens. We already mentioned they it, do. of course, but bring it They're gorgeous. Again. It's true. Like the, Grimkin the, one, the Grimkin ones look like all the other Grimkin ones, which means they're great. <laughs> yep. And all the other factions ones are like slightly more streamlined versions of whatever their factions look like, which means that they're also great. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Definitely true. So we're going to go on to our rule of the week. I'm talking about this one. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about conversion rules for Steamroller and Masters and all that good stuff. Really any of the organized play. Um, I see a lot of mistakes about this one. Um, it's actually kind of almost, it's, it's, reaching kind of meme levels of silliness where every time a conversion is posted there's the inevitable this isn't tournament legal uh mm-hmm. and like i swear to you like nine times out of ten it totally is <laughs> and and sometimes it's not but also nobody cares fun fact most people that are making a not tournament legal one are kind of aware of that but just saying. yes just saying anyway so another thing is that uh, a lot of people don't actually know that the conversion rules changed from uh couple years ago to to now basically the mark mark uh, two to mark three transition uh that steamroller also showed a a change in the conversion policies because it used to be you had to have at least like 50 percent of the original model that you're converting from which often correct like uh like i don't know a lot of people like uh there's a very old you know um tradition of fairly extreme hobbying in, in miniatures games in general and um You'll see st- you'll see some things in other game systems that are fairly extreme, and and so this one is a little bit limiting for some people, I think. And so this that opened up to to let people have a little bit more fun with it. But I'm just going to kind of go down the bullet points here uh, to get across everything. So one, uh, this this a lot of people don't actually know this one, um, is that models can't actually be converted in a way uh, so that it represents the uh, intellectual property of something that isn't privateer press. Um, you can get away with this a lot of the time. Uh, because it's it's kind of like whatever, but um, that being said, they mm-hmm. will not let you stream with that model. Yes, yeah. I had an opponent at uh, War Machine weekend when we were on stream, and his Glacier King and his other list had the frozen characters climbing it, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. as a result, that's why he played Quandra. Yeah, in our game is because we... he couldn't play that list with right. the Glacier King in it. Um, th- there's other things I've seen that now I, I haven't seen any particular instances of this coming up like on a stream, but as examples of things I've seen that could come up like this. Um, one of our locals who doesn't play anymore, but he played Signar. Um, his squire was converted to be a little companion cube from Portal with uh, mm-hmm. with legs, and like that's that's <laughs> an example of something that you wouldn't be able to use. Um, another one actually is our 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 minions player. Like this is one that that. Yeah, he's fully aware of this. Um, he plays minions, and he has four Ironback Spitters that are all modded to look like Ninja Turtles. Um, they even are technically yeah. holding weapons that they're not supposed to be. <laughs> uh, but it's like, you know, for 99 out of 100 games that he's going to play, like, it does not matter. It's really only going to come up if you're, like, in a big thing and you're going to be streamed. And even then, a lot of the time, just borrow a different model. It's fine. That's actually a really good thing for me to think about, because my Ironback Spitters are converted into Blastoises. So. Yeah, things like that. Mm. Yep. Yeah, it's something to kind of be aware of. Um, now, I've seen plenty of things where people will like lean it in that direction. I think there was actually an example from some time ago where they talked about um, doing a color scheme that was based around a football team. Mm-hmm. That's not really a problem because it's just a color scheme. 
Um, but if it actually had like their logo on it or something, you know, that'd be interesting. So you can like, you can kind of have fun with it and make things that are like, oh, it's like a, you know, this game themed army. But as long as it doesn't have anything that's like actual iconography or characters or logos or symbols, um, it's, it's fine if it's just like colors and kind of nods towards those kind of things. Um, I should like specifically in this bullet point, it says copyrighted logos, symbols, iconic elements, and other iconography. So. Something to watch out for if you like converting to kind of pay homages to your favorite things. Um, the majority of a converted model has to be from Privateer Press models. This is basically so that you aren't just grabbing other... It's so you're paying Privateer Rock. Press to play the game. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, or even even things like, I don't know, like th- this, this leans into the area of like 3D printing things, even mm-hmm. if it is like technically identical, like it, this, this kind of touches on that kind of an idea um you have to basically you have to be buying buying private press products and then converting them essentially is uh yep. is the requirement um so it just has to be more than half the model that's always a little bit up to interpretation because it's like what are they going to do like weigh it and then like cut off all the parts that aren't that model and then <laughs> like i don't know um but it's like if it's like half ish like you're you're fine um This one's kind of interesting. Uh, A weapon on a model can be converted as long as the conversion represents the same type of weapon. Um, Most of the time this is pretty obvious uh, in that if something has an axe, you have to give it a different kind of axe if you're going to convert it. Doesn't really matter what they gave in the Insider when this changed is that if you wanted to play Butcher 3 with a um, Winter Yard hand axe as his weapon that would be legal confusing a little bit but legal yeah, right because it's still an axe <laughs> yeah i've uh, also seen people give warjacks like infantry swords for some reason yeah some people just have well, fun with it um yeah yeah and like i've done things like i've actually i've pulled like parts off other warjacks and stuff and it's like as long as it's the same weapon like it doesn't really matter um that's i almost built a vanquisher with like a i think like the flail thing from i think it's like a mule i don't know Merc Jack. I, I actually have a few random Merc Jack parts on some of my heavies because I like lost things or they broke or something. Um, which I think is kind of appropriate because it always looks like stuff pulled out of a junkyard to fix broken bits. But anyway. <laughs> um, the one I think where this can get a little bit up in the air though that can be slightly confusing is named weapons that aren't strictly <laughs> speaking like a kind of weapon. Um, one example I've seen with this one actually quite a bit is Durst. Uh, yes. I, I honestly do not remember the name of his weird thing. thing. I don't yes, know what that thing is. It's supposed to be like a, like a, a lance spear, I think. spear, spear thing, yeah. but it's not really. Um, I've seen people turn that into a sword pretty often. And like, strictly speaking, that's not a legal conversion, but. Like, he is the only medium-based paladin in the game, so nobody's Yeah, really and that, that's, that's actually kind of a thing that comes down with all of these conversion rules, aside from the legality-based ones, like using, you know, intellectual property or, or privateer, privateer models and things like that. Most of the time, if it's like, this is, it's pretty obvious what this is supposed to be, because it literally couldn't be anything else. Um, mm-hmm. I have an example of a conversion I'm doing right now that's a little bit like that. Um, where it just does not look like the same thing, but it's pretty obvious what it is is if I'm playing Protectorate. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, any kind of weapon swaps have to be the same thing. It's kind of fun on uh, things that just don't have weapons, because you kind of should put whatever the heck you want on there. My uh, favorite one is the Gatorman Polar, or the Gatorman Weapon on the Gatorman Posse, because it's like, this is literally permission yeah. to do whatever you want. Uh, like Sea Dogs, similar deal, right? They just have hand weapons. Hand weapons. Um, um, I, I miss the... Uh... So there, in Mark II, there was a axe named Sword. Yeah. And the official <laughs> model was a legal conversion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, uh, another really fun one actually I've seen conversions for is Drudges, because you can just, they're what they're called, like, I don't even remember what the weapons are called. Surgical tools? I think they're Drudge weapons and surgical tools, I think are the two things. So it's like, you can kind of do whatever. Um, I think it's like the, the, um, the, what is it, the, um, Tharn, Blood, uh, witch, the night witch. Sorry, third night witch. Oh, yeah, doesn't she just have like? I think her, weapon her weapons are called like implements of death. They are or something. <laughs> so it's like, what does that mean? And so all of mine had different weapons because I was just like, eh, like, what are you gonna say? Um, Back when they're FA three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, in themes, I think it was. In theme. Anyway, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, a weapon cannot be removed unless it is replaced by another weapon, so you just have to give it the weapon that it should have. So there's a couple of these that are a little bit funny. Um, for example, Vengers are a good one for this. A lot of people just don't put the swords on Vengers and like guilty. Yeah, technically that's like not supposed. To... Um, actually, I think like my errants are missing like half their weapons. Like usually, if something has a sword and a bow, I usually just put one or the other on it because it's just mm-hmm. I don't need that in my life. Um, mm-hmm. nobody cares. <laughs> well, that's because errants stole the entire armory and didn't leave any. I know they they just have crap all over them, and it's it's just like <laughs> shield and a sword and a crossbow and a quiver, and you're just like, oh my lord. So much crap all over them. And so, like, the sword is always like, I don't know where to put this. Like, there's nowhere left on this model. Um, that's not a big deal. It's, but just if you're doing any kind of conversion, it's, it's good to note you do need to replace a weapon if you if you do remove it. Um, uh, this is one I'm guilty of not following very well. If a conversion uses a Privateer Press upgrade kit, all of the upgrade kit must be clearly visible on the model. Uh, my Scourge of Heresy is missing his fire stacks. Because they break off constantly, and I don't feel like pinning them. Uh, so, sorry. <laughs> My favorite example that I've ever seen of this being followed to the letter is an extreme feral warp wolf <laughs> turned into Gedrix. <laughs> and the Gedrix horns are hanging off of the feral's waist. <laughs> yep. Just like, as trophy things, because yep. they're a bit derp. Yeah. Yeah, they Pretty are. great. Um... Yeah, for sure. And that's, yeah, it's all kind of up to interpretation, right? So you just have to have all the parts on there so you can go, hey, they're all on there. Um, models must be mounted on an appropriately sized round-lipped base. So I don't think anybody really has an issue with the, the appropriate size thing. I think the round-lipped base thing is kind of important. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that. I've seen people convert models onto um, GW-style bases where it's just the, the flat that just kind of tapers off at the end. Um we had our one of our locals who played Legion. A lot of his stuff was rebased onto clear acrylic discs, um, which was fine. Like we didn't care, but for the sake of a like proper like convention level organized play thing, that's something you could get called out on. Yeah, um, I had to help him rebase a whole bunch of stuff when we went to LVO that one time. Yeah, yeah. Although I did like those bases because it made things kind of easy to work with, but. Mm-hmm. Like, measurements were actually kind of easier. <laughs> anyway. Um, and actually, seeing what kind of terrain you were on, that made life a lot easier as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, added scenic detail can overhang the base's edge. They couldn't really say that it couldn't, <laughs> because they're guilty of this more than anyone. Uh, but it must not obscure the edge in a way that makes accurate measuring impossible, like Jaden's <laughs> Wormwood. <laughs> hey, I don't own that model anymore, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That being said, I did always have a second wormwood with me in case anybody had a problem. Yeah, that that's really the that's the final rule in the conversion thing. If you have anything questionable and you're worried about it, just bring a a second copy. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, um, for wrong eye and snapshot, I have a cool conversion that uses the Gaiman Brew Doctor or whatever she's called, um, and I just bring the regular wrong eye with me if anyone has a problem. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And don't like people are usually pretty chill. if, If somebody's like that's confusing to me, like that's not. Don't be a dick about it. Like it's it's totally reasonable, you know. Like it yeah. it happens. Um, I have a now. Admittedly, I never bring an alternate model, but I have a paladin that I made out of parts. That's like a female variant. Um, I've never had anybody have a problem because, frankly, if it has the shield, most people know it's a paladin. <laughs> but <laughs> and a big uh, sword. Yeah, right. Like it's pretty. Although to be honest, all my paladins have different swords because they kept breaking off and I'd lose them. <laughs> so. Yeah. So all um, of your paladins th- are conversions. Yes, I think she actually has Harbinger's sword <laughs> because I had another one for no reason. Um, also, a really good sword. It is cool. Yeah. Um, a player cannot use a model as a proxy or stand-in for another model. This obviously doesn't really nobody cares about this in casual play, but for events and stuff, make sure you have all the models that you. Yeah. Don't bring Butcher to. Two and try to play him like Butcher Three. That's yeah. a no-no. Yep. Yeah. Uh, any conversion must be clearly pointed out to the opponent before the game, uh, and the end result of any conversion must be clearly identifiable as the intended model. I think that's kind of the golden rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, th- this comes down to most of the conversion rules, aside from the legality ones, the first couple, are based on just not confusing your opponent. Conversions can really easily set up a situation where you're advantaged because they forget what something is. Um so the golden rule really is just make sure it's obvious what it is. 
Um, yeah. There's some, like, I've, I've seen plenty of conversions where it's really only obvious because of the faction it's in. Like, you're like, well, that really couldn't be anything else. Um, but usually even that's enough, you know? Uh, yeah. In, in the, at the end of the day, ask your TO. Uh, um, yep. but that, that's what I do. And, you know, I do that with my paladin. I do that with any other pieces I have that are a little bit different from normal is I just point them out and go, Hey, just, you know, this is a paladin, you know? And they're usually like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, just letting you know. Another thing is, um, if you're going to an event and you've got some conversions, uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend finding out who that TO is ahead of time and messaging them on Facebook with a picture of your conversion and being like, based off of this picture, should I be worried about this? And usually if they can tell what it is from a picture, they're going to be like, that's fine. Other times, if it's not, they'll be like, no. Mm -hmm. And then you don't have to worry about it the day of. You can just show up with your thing because you know it's fine or you bring the original because you know it's not. Yeah. I will say another thing. Uh, This there, okay, so I, I'll note this because I mentioned a golden rule. There actually is a golden rule written in the thing. It says, golden rule of converting model for turn in play is simply this. If the EO, event organizer, cannot independently, easily, and accurately determine what model your conversion represents, the model is not tournament legal. So at the end of the day, it's like, if you have conversions that are... Most small conversions don't really matter, but if you have a conversion that you're like, have any level of concern about, just shoot a message to whoever the TO is. You shoot them on Facebook or whatever they've got and just send them a picture of it and go, hey, is this cool? Um, I've had people do that for me. I had a guy have a Scythian where I think he had uh, Tyranid like arms on it, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, make for way cooler <laughs> blades <laughs> than the regular Scythian ones, but, uh, you know, things like that. And he just sent me a picture and was like, hey, is this cool? And it's like, yeah, sure. Um, I'm... Given this model I'm working on, I'm probably going to be sending this to Tyson to me check on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty extreme. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much the conversion rules. So the the big one that I just want to call out: um, a model does not have to be half or more of the model it's like supposed to be. You could make a conversion that has zero percent of the model that you're actually like making it to be, as long as it's clear what it is. That was the big change from from the Mark II kind of version to the Mark III version. Is it used to be you had to have at least half the model be whatever you were converting it into. Um, now you don't. So remember that before posting on Facebook about it. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. the last thing is, it, even if people on Facebook are like, "That's not legal," people are way nicer in real life. And um, it's, it's message true. your TO, and you'll probably be fine. Even pretty wonky conversions, like, usually you're fine. Like, we're here to play a game and have a good time. Like, the only time somebody's genuinely going to have, like, a TO or whatever is going to have a problem with it is if it's genuinely, like, if we need to make a ruling, we do not know what this model is. Or yeah, if and, you're at a privateer press streamed event. Or if you're at a privateer press streamed yep. event, in which case you, you do need to check with them a little bit. But... Um, but the thing is, a lot of the time, the person judging that is going to be somebody like Hungerford. So if it's just cool, <laughs> he'll, be like, he'll be like, go with it. And that's the thing. Is, and that's another thing I wanted to note is that any kind of conversions, people are a lot more willing to accept it if it's done reasonably well, which I don't mean like, if you're bad at it, don't do it. I just mean like... Good, like done in good faith. Done in good faith and paint it. Uh, I'm, not, like, a big I, one. I'm not a huge obsessive, like, why isn't your stuff painted? But people will accept conversions a lot easier when they're like painted, when it's clear you cared about it, you know? Yeah. Of. When um, the green stuff isn't showing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. people will, will accept that way more readily than, than if not um, take like, I, I think actually a really good example. And this was, this was Mark two, but uh, you remember the, uh, the Legion stuff, the, the Mecha Legion. Yes. The, the thing is, is like that stuff didn't was not within the conversion rules, right? It, it was, is now. Uh, it is now, yeah, but at the time it was not. It used like zero percent of the models it was actually <laughs> representing, you know. Um, and anybody, I, I will be hard pressed to find them, but if I can, I, I will, because uh, they were from a while back. But really, just insane Legion conversions that this guy worked on. And the thing is, they were so cool, no one would ever say no. Like yeah. it was just you like got to play them are, at WTC. Yeah, it was just yeah. like these are so cool that no, and the thing is, is I, if I remember correctly, he brought all of those models with him just in case to think. Really? Yep. Yeah. yeah he he carried two armies because he was like, I have the regular ones too, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like in case anybody has a problem. And nobody ever did, but it was like you know that the sportsmanship is there. You know, you, you have to. Somebody could have an issue with it, and um, 
I'm sure he did a lot of checking. He probably didn't bring that much stuff if he checked with TOs ahead of time and stuff. But um, so yeah, just as yeah, follow the conversion rules. Yeah, and if you're just playing, close to our heart. <laughs> yeah, and if you're just playing locally, nobody cares. We had we had proxies in the tournament I played the other week. Like nobody cares. Um, I've, been, I've been playing CID rules in our tournaments for yeah, weeks. right, yeah. It's yeah. At the end of the day, like this is mostly about when you're actually starting to hit like organized stuff. And the reason, like, there's a lot of reasons, and this goes this is a whole other subject, but I'll just mention it. Um, part of the reason that those those kind of events are more um, like strict on this kind of thing is it's partly because they're getting support from the company itself, but also when you have a lot of people and a lot of strangers coming from all over the world, you want to make sure there's consistency in in the rules that's what a lot of those rules are there for and so it just reduces the chance of problems even if there likely never would be well uh, this is the same thing as the judge document right like this is the exactly. absolute mm-hmm. worst case scenario if you yeah, if you're screaming at each other and you it's can't just come a, to the, it's just some it's something for you to point at as to why you're enforcing like a certain ruling you know um so yeah conversion like i see so many like arguments pop up on online about conversions and it's like at the end of the day like it's not that big a deal most people are cool with it. Never mind that we spent half an hour on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's an interesting little topic. To be honest, yeah, I thought we'd spend about five minutes on that, so that turned into a discussion. But, um, yeah, it's not that big of a deal, but it is important to us. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to go on to our actual subject for the week. So we had the EDR spoiled, right? Uh, they gave us the kind of teaser thing for the next Active Duty roster going into uh, Season 7, I think. I don't know what the heck it is. Um, but we had the new uh, Active Duty roster, which is supposed to be going into place on January 1st. Um, now, we're not going to talk about that roster exactly, but uh, it just kind of brought up the subject of, of ADR in general. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about list building within an Active Duty roster. Uh, now, there's two times where you're going to be list building within an ADR, right? There's going to be Masters events or... Okay, Masters events or anything using the ADR like variant. Mm-hmm. Um, or Champions is the other one. And they work a little bit differently. But that's, yeah, that's pretty much the two places where you're going to actually see this come up. So I wanted to talk about Champions first because it's uh, slightly simpler. Uh, just in that, just in list building because there's not specialists, which I guess is the first thing to note. Um, for anybody who doesn't know kind of what Champions is, Champions is a somewhat restricted format format. Uh, Uh, event that you can do where all factions are locked into only being able to use the four casters on their active duty roster. So this, Um, we mentioned the additional rule on ADR rosters. So if, if a model, if a caster is pre-released at a convention, he is on, he or she is on the ADR roster for that convention and then never again. Yeah. I believe that's still the case. Yeah, that, that's the current rule. Okay, um, cool. Previously, it was they were added to the ADR until the next cycle. Which ah, uh, that's what it was. Okay, I was like, that changed. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how. I was like, are you wrong? Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So sometimes factions will have a little bit, a little bit more to work with uh, on the ADR um, for like one convention at a time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, list building for a champions events. When when do you, we pretty much see champions events at Conventions, there's pretty much always a Champions event. I think it's it got added into the Iron Gauntlet rotation, yeah? So mm-hmm. you get yep. IG points for that. Um, at conventions, and if anybody's using the actual document, it is a fully painted format. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I've seen a lot of people who do more local Champions events will waive that. Cause yeah, I'm going to one this weekend where there's no painting requirement. It's hard enough to get enough people into events sometimes without adding on those restrictions, but... Uh, so yeah, conventions. Yeah. The it's funny a f- thing about mm-hmm. funny thing about champions format is that it's a really good format for new players because it's a very limited meta, meta, and it always includes the battle box caster. Mm-hmm. Um, but then yeah, there's a fully painted requirement. It's like come on. I, I always thought that was a little bit funny. I was like, eh. um, but yeah. So list building in champions, it's definitely a little bit different. <laughs> so one thing to note is that a lot of so we we get into the habit of when we're building lists for any kind of an event. Uh, you get in the habit of like those meta things that you need to worry about, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're like, okay, what's my you know, Denny one goes fleet answer. What's my uh, whatever Signar Haley three answer? You know, kind of a thing. You go through that. Um, suddenly you have to list build without any of those. 
in mind. Ah, but you have a bunch of new ones. But you have a bunch of new ones, right, because you start having to think about casters. Yeah, you have to start thinking about casters nobody plays, usually. <laughs> so it's that's part of what makes Champion such an interesting like event type, is it's like its own little weird meta alongside our regular one that's totally different. So it's it's kind of an interesting, like, fresh way to go into the game. Um, so, uh, let's talk about when you're wanting to build lists, how do you identify the pair in a roster? Like, what, what kind of things do you guys think about? Um, so the first thing I look at is I want... Well, okay, so the first thing I look at is whether I hit the lottery and my pairing is already in there. Yeah. Uh, for example, Merc players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my casters or, is in there, so you know. Or the worst, where you have the super lottery, where all four of the casters are baller. <laughs> like, oh, no. What do I do? Wait, 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 wait. wait. That's not normal. No, that's uh, hashtag Grim Lim- a, Grimkin life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Grimkin convergence um, are are very are very much of the. Well, it's kind of hard to build an ADR that doesn't have I, two of the casters. I, I, saw, I, I saw so many like comments about the Grimkin one, like, oh, this this isn't, this shouldn't be a thing. And it's like, well, what were they gonna have? Like, yeah, it's like, we we get like the Dreamer should... instead of one of those. Okay, like legitimately, yeah, there that could... could not be a bad Grimkin ADR. I think the only way to make this worse is to turn Old Witch into the Child. Yeah, like, and even all... then, I'm still like, whatever. Yeah, this is almost the worst possible Grimkin ADR. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's still, like, great. You know, like, that's, yeah. it turns out when all of your warlocks... And that's that's the thing, especially with the very limited factions, so that's what Convergence and Grimkin in particular come up. You just can't avoid, like, their some of their better stuff. You know, there's just, there's no getting around it. So those always have that little bit of a little bit of an edge. But they it's a downside, too. You know, they, they have limitations to them, so... Um, so then the next thing I look at in ADR format is I want to pick two casters who play very differently from each other. Yeah, that's key. Um, because you want, you still want to form a pairing. You don't want to, you know, bring like two beast bricks, mm-hmm. for example. So right. like, I mean, like, have... tro- like trolls, for example, they have, uh, Ragnar, they have Kolgrima and Borka too, all of whom want to play a giant beast brick. So fortunately, uh, Grimangus is on there who wants to play Gunline, which pairs very well with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. a little um, that's a little bit with how with the protector when I looked at because I I, I kind of tend to classify a lot of casters right so right now we have uh, Thyra Durst Malachus and Resnick one and um, it's like Thyra to me is the toolbox right she just kind of does everything so it's like she's gonna be the basis of every pair because why wouldn't she be and then you have Durst who's the brick. Um, you have Resnick and Malachus are both armor crackers. And Malachus can run battle group or infantry. Resnick wants a battle group, typically. So it's like, what what combination of those parts do I exactly want? So I'm like, all right, I have a Thyra list that is a bunch of squishy dudes, like just a lot of squishy dudes. So my alternative is either to go an extreme armor crack, in which case you go with Malachus, and I probably go with a battle group heavy because I don't want to have all those dudes. Or you go Durst, which is the direction I'm going, and just go, good lord, I'm armor 27 against guns. <laughs> <laughs> Huzzah. Yeah, um, that's usually what, it, it, anytime I'm looking at an ADR thing, I usually, I tend to look at what's the two most, like, opposing, like, sides of this coin that, that I could build a pairing out of that are drastically different. Because another thing is a, a lot of a lot of people's ADRs don't have, like, plenty of them don't have a ton of flexibility. That's one of the things about it, is that there's a reason that Usually, there's a reason that a lot of these casters are not the most played ones. Um, ADR tends to be a roster of kind of the the, the B, C, or D, or worse listers, you know? Um, or at least always, ones but... that don't form a common pair together. Yeah, or ones that don't form a common pair, or you'll have, like, one, like, solid, like, really good caster, and three that are, like, a little bit dubious, you know, things like that. So there, there's kind of weaknesses to pairings. Um, and so to me, being able to present, like, extreme skews that also have toolboxes in them, like, is is very, very solid. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I always do in Champions is I go through everyone else's roster and see if they're see what the power casters are, what would draw someone in to play them. Mm-hmm. Um, like last season was definitely Kane three. This one's definitely Magnus two. So it's mm-hmm. like I like if if my faction's ADR doesn't have an answer to those big problem casters, like I don't even bother. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and that's, that's like, I, I, going over the rosters in general, that's a really hard thing to do because that is a lot of, 
you know, you think even though it's a limited thing, it's a lot of information to take in, and especially when it's new. Um, and you can get all kinds of weird things. Like you get stuff like, take like one one example is is that mercs right have an extremely strong roster, but mercs often represent only a certain percentage of any given event, right? So it's like, this is probably the best roster, but in a not super heavily played faction. So it's like. It's it's kind of an interesting like having to balance it because the faction that's suddenly the most powerful one isn't one that ne- people necessarily like own or are playing because they're not necessarily popular outside of that. So it's it's a very complex little meta game that that goes into a champions event. Also, conveniently, if you don't want to go through that roster yourself, there is a nice little piece on LOSWarmachine.com <laughs> that goes over every single one of the casters in champs. You get red in there. What? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the second time we forgot red. Yeah. Uh... So, so I, okay. Here's the thing. Like, I was awake at 2:30 a.m. furiously trying to finish this thing, and I was like, six war machine factions, six hordes factions, balance done, bed. And the, the, this and is the then, thing like, we we can't entirely give him crap out of it because literally two people, me and somebody else, yeah, that's the thing. Proofread I, that thing and we didn't even notice. So yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Which elves. is which is sad because like Rhett actually has a ridiculously strong ADR this mm-hmm. this right. time round. So kind of got missed but, yeah. in there somewhere. Well, they put him in a weird order, didn't they? In the, yeah, in that's the actual the other thing. roster by faction name. Right. Yes. So like I yeah, usually I kind of notice like if they're in regular order, but I would just have not noticed at all. And that's exactly what I was just like, oh, yep, we're good. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, James got a piece up, uh, just kind of going over all of them and giving just a first first look at, at all the different uh, rosters for this coming up season. So go look at that. Maybe I'll post it in the, It'll be in the show notes. Why not? I'll just promise it here. And if it's not <laughs> there, sorry. if you don't do it. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, right, so next is the specials format. Yes. So this uh, gets uh, more and less interesting because you're, so you're going in at, when you're going to a masters event or an ADR specialists type, you know, steamroller or whatever. Um, you're going into the same meta you're used to, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are using, outside of specific cases, you are using not your power casters. So you have to start deciding how you're going to leverage the 40 points of, of swing you have, which is 40 points of specialists in a list, um, to shore up those weaknesses that you may or may not have. For those of for those of our listeners who might not know what it is, um, do we want to go over what specialists are? Did we do an episode on it? No, we have not yet. No, we did a really bad rule of the week about it. Okay. Um, a while back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll I'll touch on it at least. It's a little bit. Um, complex and exactly how it works but uh so in a masters or adr variant steamroller which i don't even know that it is variant but i've seen that happen plenty of times um there is a specialist variant but nobody uses it uh so in a event that is using the active duty roster you as long as both of your casters from are from the like in your pairing are from the uh, your faction's active duty roster um, both of your lists get 40 points of specialists called a Vanguard rule. So if you're looking in War Room, you don't want to select specialists, you want to select Vanguard. Um, specialists will be the wrong amount of points. Um, what that does is it basically gives you, for anybody who's played Magic, it gives you a sideboard. It gives you, a, it's 40 points of models that are not in your list, but after you, after both players have selected their casters, uh, you get an opportunity to switch uh, stuff around. So you can pull out, you know, a 16-point model for two, like, 8-point units or something. You know, you, you, you swap out point for point and um, kind of build a list that is, you know, a conglomeration of your main list and whatever specialist you put in there. Uh, it still has to be a legal list. Um, it's the specialists still follow your character restrictions inside of a list, so... I'd... So... The way yeah. to think about it in simplest terms is you're building a 115 point list, um, and then you're swapping in and out the last. You're like, and then you're taking out 40 you're, points. You're like pars- parsing it down to yeah, the 75 points. Um, so um, it has to match. Uh, it has to match 
character restrictions in FA for that whole 115 point list. Um, it has to have the same free models in both sections. It has to have the same like requirements for free models. Yeah, models that are uh, attached have to be specified as to what they're attached to. Yeah. Um, and you're also not allowed to min or max a unit. You have to take out full cards. Yeah, so like one way you could min or max a unit is to take a min unit and then a max unit, but the problem is you're also tied to FA, so you have yeah. to you have to account for that as well. Um, yeah. The other thing is that the stuff in your ADR, your specialists, do not count for free cards, free yeah. solos from the theme force. But when you finish rearranging your list, you have to recalculate the amount of free solos and stuff you get. So that can, like, if you pull out a unit that gives you the extra points for a free solo and you put in a heavy to replace it, you lose those that free solo and you have to choose one of them to get rid of. Oh, really? Okay, you used to not be able to, to change the number of free stuff you would get. No, and it is in the in the master's document now. It says okay. recalculate all theme benefits regarding... Yeah, because it was, it was a mess before. Okay, awesome. Yeah, be oh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, it was really difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there, yeah, there's probably some little things we missed in there, but that's essentially how it works. It gives you a sideboard. It's typically made up of casters that are a little bit more, you know, unplayed. Um, they, for the most part, go off of, um, like, statistics about what kind of casters are seeing a lot of play and what aren't. And usually it's going to be casters that aren't seeing a lot of play on there, but sometimes people will get thrown something a little more fun in there. Um... So some rosters end up just kind of generally stronger than others, but for the most part, it's a pretty neat little system. Anyway, uh, so in a Masters event or ADR event, uh, do you look at building the list pair differently? Um, so this is one of the problems is that unless you're like Delta Jackpot, it's kind of not worth it. Um, yeah. So... Like, it has to be something extreme to get me into it in Masters. Um, it has to be, like, a caster I'm already playing, and that benefits from the versatility. So, like, yeah. my Primus 1 list has, like, 40 points of solos. So getting another 40 points of solos to choose from makes that list insanely strong. And his pair, and all three of his pairs are perfectly fine now mm-hmm. uh, with all the releases. So yeah. it has to be something like that. I will say that this is probably the absolute strongest ADR roster that we've had to date. I yeah, think across almost board, every faction solid. has a mm-hmm. at least a solid yeah a like solid reason to look at their ADR pretty hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for Kirsten Signar, which I'm okay with. Yeah. So that's actually I don't it, know. I mean I'd even argue that the Signar one is fine. We <laughs> <laughs> do a crazy robot halfway through that too. It made it extra exciting. Um, so yeah, and that, that was actually the question I kind of meant to ask before is like, should you even play an ADR? That's like, that really should be question number one, because a lot of people I think will fall into that trap of like, oh, you know, it's, it's a master's event, so I better use the ADR. You know, like I've seen people get into that kind of mentality. I've been that way before as well. Um, and some factions and, and like a Signar is a good example where it's not really even that their, their ADR is bad. It's just the casters they could be taking. Mm -hmm. Um, that's part of why like with Protectorate right I've said before like our best casters and our like mid-grade casters it's not a very extreme difference so honestly I think unless they really deal us a weird hand or there's something really specific in the meta going on there's like we probably should just run ADR most of the time because it's always gonna it's like almost always gonna be something solid Um, one thing that so I think special, the specialist format, I think the ability to change points uh, before a game starts is really, really cool. I'm a huge fan of it. However, there's a major drawback, and that is um, the amount of practice required is yeah. like two or three times higher. There, and since, a, yeah. And since most of us aren't getting the amount of practice we want with our lists to start with, doubling or tripling that requirement is a pretty tall order. It's true, and and I mean, you'll think about it. Like as you're moving specialists around, there's a pretty good chance that on any given game, you're playing a list you have never played before, even if it's only by a few points. But you're like, oh well, I don't really need to swap in this thing that I usually would because of this reason. You're suddenly playing like a version of the list that you've never played before. Now you might have it. The thing is, like your what practice you have had will go a long way. Still, it's it's not. But but that knowing what to switch but... and knowing it for every matchup and knowing how right, to use it's it in true. that matchup. Um, yeah. And like it, an example is how I'm running Thyra is that the specialist I'm thinking of using with her is because I, I've been running a faithful masses like double Adrian with Paladin boat type thing. And 
basically the idea is is that any specialist I'm going to do, I'm probably swapping out the Paladin stuff mostly. And the idea was changing it to stuff like Deliver Sky Hammers and Sunburst Crews. It turns into like an AOE, like Infantry Blender, but the list also plays very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty drastically different style, and I'm going to have to put some reps in with that kind of list uh, because it's not the same anymore. It's It's got a very different kind of way that it has to move and function. Um, so that that is a weakness you could have uh, for sure. Yep. Um, the another, upside... Another though, thing oh, is... Go oh, go ahead, sorry. <clears throat> no, go ahead. You go first. But, um, what you just said about how you have this plan for what you're going to swap in and out um, is something that a lot of people don't have when they build their ADR. Um, mm-hmm. I had a lot of people be like, oh, in order to do this, I have to play like three points down now because um, mm-hmm. I haven't thought about the way that their modules work. And so it's it's really, really, really important to think about the way that your base list interacts with your specialists and have a plan for bringing each one of those things in and out. Um, yeah. A good example for me is that um, when I'm playing Dark Menagerie lists with a lot of War Beasts in Grimkin, I can swap a Cage Rager out for a uh, Rattler and a Gorehound, just like instantly, because it's exactly the same points, and all of a sudden I've gone from a tankier build to something that's much better into infantry. And having those modules inside of your list that you can easily go back and forth on your ADR and into the main list is really important. And you need to think about that ahead of time. You can't just sort of throw them together at a tournament or else it's not going to work. Yeah. And it, it does make it so it helps a lot if you're able to throw, like, if, you, if there's some neat little, like, one or two point options you've got. Even three point actually can be really useful because it's just kind of a weird number. Um, having a few of those in your specialists is pretty all right because it can help you kind of fill those out if you have kind of weird things you want to swap in and out, like, oh, I need to pull this out for that, but I need to throw in, like, a rack, you know? It's like an extra one point that's always going to be kind of useful. Um, So you can kind of pad it a little bit, but you do need to think about it ahead of time. Like, what am I likely to pull out for this? And if you Mm -hmm. really want to next level it, um, I like obfuscating list design um, by splitting it between the uh, regular list and the ADR. Putting your specialist in the the main list, yeah. Yep, because it's functionally identical, right? You're building a 115-point list. Right. I I, I actually always laugh when we we heard a lot of people, there's like podcasts and stuff that are doing this, where they'd always refer to like, they'd be talking about the main list, and then they'd put things in specialists and be like, well, don't you want that in the main list, though? And it's like, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like the way Brett was thinking about it, where it's like just a 115 point list that you just kind of parse down. Like that's more how it works. It's just like a little trick of the human brain where you you just have this idea of like, well, that's one of the main models though, so it needs to go in the main list, and it really doesn't yeah. matter at all. <laughs> another another thing you can do, especially because we do have that mentality, is you can build your main your main quote unquote list, uh, the 75 point list that you present up front to your opponent in, in an extremely skewy, strange way. Because people don't look at your ADR nearly as closely as they do your base list most of the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, I've had a couple of games where I played a really, really beast brick list into, like, this giant Weapon Master spam. But I had two Rattlers in my ADR. <laughs> and so I get down to the table. I'm like, all right, I'm swapping out these two heavies for Rattlers and Frightmares. And they're like... Oh, so suddenly you have a bunch of AOEs and infantry blenders, and it's like, oh, yeah. I thought that my infantry skew would work pretty well. And that's a little bit like the Thyralist, right? Like, it's not super low model count exactly, but it's a lot of very single target attacks, and then I turn it into AOE city, <laughs> like, yeah. all at once. And it's like, oh, there's a lot of bombs. Um, yeah, and you can just really drastically change the, the feel of a list. Um, some will go that route. Sometimes with specialists, you're going more for... Um, I find a lot of time with like battle group heavy builds, unless you're able to do that where you, you really change. I mean, a little bit like what you said though, where with battle group heavy builds, a lot of time it's just kind of changing tech pieces around. Mm-hmm. Um, really easy one to protect It's like sanctifiers, um, stuff like Templars. Uh, there's a handful of like 14, 15 and 16 point jacks that all kind of swap in and out really easily that all kind of do different things. And that's not really so much changing the like, changing the the question your list maybe asks it's more just slotting in the answers you need um and you can have a lot of room to breathe with that with uh with specialists helps out quite a bit um i also usually like to try to make sure i'm swapping this i i hate trying to swap like battle group stuff for units and things like that mostly just because i hate having to recalculate free points because that's the worst (laughs) the worst yep but it gets pretty awkward. Yeah. So I want to touch on just a couple of like what sort of like common tech specialists in general you might see uh, and to kind of keep an eye out for in uh, in enemy ADRs. I think one that's easy to note is Alish. Yep. 
that is an upkeep out that can just go into any random list. So if you're relying on upkeeps that have to move up the field or are on their stuff, make sure to note if they have him in specialists yeah. or put him in your own specialist. He's a wonderful specialist because, I mean, like Puppet Master's good, but there are plenty <laughs> of games where it's like, I don't really need this guy. Um, uh, Orin, kind of similar, actually. Orin Midwinter is a very similar mm-hmm. one. Right, it's just like sometimes you just don't need Arcane Vortex. <laughs> like, yeah. like you just don't. And uh, other really awesome ones are like um, Alton Ashley is an excellent specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just so good into hordes, and he's so moderately okay and everything else. And when he's really uh, good into like random or machine lists too, you know, it's, if they're like, sure. I have nine thousand mechanics, you're like, well, I don't care. Yeah, or um, if they just have you know Imperatus. Yeah, yeah, things or, like that. He, yeah. he also loves uh, picking off uh, Bane Warrior attachments. It's true. <laughs> yeah, things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a really cool piece for that. I mean, it's a little bit similar with like Kel Baylock, right? For yeah. things more like that, where it's like picking out key key pieces like that. Um, One that I'm seeing a lot is Hutchuck. Uh, yeah, Hutchuck. A lot of yeah, kind of similar reasons. He's he's really good when he's good and really not when he's not. So um, <laughs> you're like, well, you don't have Warjack, so Rust isn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh Rupert's a pretty easy one because sometimes you just don't like you get a because you know your your uh um you know what the table looks like at the point that mm-hmm. uh you're you're swapping lists around you, you can kind of go I don't know that I need you know Pathfinder or or if you're bringing him for tough which like some lists do you go oh I'm playing you know Band of Heroes I'm just gonna <laughs> go ahead and <laughs> swap this guy out of here because their entire army has takedown so this is not super useful yeah. Um, Other really good ones are um, artillery pieces. Um, most factions have one, and they can be extremely, extremely good in, in certain matchups. They are a unit which can score zones. Um, they are also have a very long range, usually, and fairly significant impact gun, which can really change the math on some things. Yeah. Uh, Linus and Adria. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Get rid of those clouds. They are, they are very good anti-cloud wall tech. Um, and all the things you just mentioned are really good scoring pieces if the scenario calls for it. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of the time, those, yeah, a lot of those tech specialists, and this is just a, a thing, is, a lot of them are mercs, like mercs mm-hmm. minions. Um, that's just a common thing with kind of how those are designed. They tend to be kind of specific tech, tech pieces. Um, even weird things, like if they brought like Iris or things like that, there, there's lots of things where, like, there, there's times where, like, I might bring Iris 1 and, you know, a list with somebody who I might be going for assassinations on, but if you play certain casters, you just go, okay, never mind. Um, and she's not going to be super useful, so I can swap her out. You know, it's lots of lots of little solos and, and units and things like that. Um, like Protector at Roven and Co. That's one you could you could easily swap into or out of lists. Mm-hmm. Um, just because sometimes they're just not that necessary. Like you don't need the shield guards, you don't need Isle Sight. So yeah, light warjacks uh, and war beasts are excellent ADR pieces. I actually um, they often have. A... Go ahead. Well, it was kind of like what you said earlier. I really like being able to swap, like, um, like I like having, take like a Reckoner, right, of 16 points, but Repenters are 8. Having two Repenters I can swap for one Reckoner is really fun, because it's, it drastically changes your kind of model counts and what kind of offense you have available. Mm-hmm. Um, and they often yeah. have cool little pieces of tech that, you know, are really good, like Devout's giving Spell Ward out, um, Frightmare's giving Eyeless Sight, uh, the, uh, bull snap or yeah, bull snapper now having a one cost plus two armor buff for your caster. Um, you know, fireflies and chargers and Minutemen and grenadiers are all similar point costs and can cycle between each other, depending on what the matchup calls for. Um, Kador doesn't have any, so that's too bad. Yeah. You know, there's just, there's lots of little things, even like in Cricks, um, Sometimes you don't need your your arc nodes as much, and so like having an extra soccer in your ADR is really good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that really knowing exactly what to swap in and what what not is complicated. One thing I come up with, I I run into a lot, is getting excited about something. I'm like, oh, this would be a really great thing, you know, to have in there that I could swap out with ADR, and then realizing that there's just literally never a reason you would take it out. Um, that one. Comes I love a good example of that. <laughs> Yeah, I I love having rerolls. I don't know how people live without it. Sure, I mean it's like it's solid. I I I always just kind of wonder if that's all you're getting out of him if the five points is enough. But that's just I am also 
So this is the thing. He's also he also doesn't count towards my free points in anything. <laughs> um, so I think that it's one thing that might be a little bit different between like Mercs and how Mercs and Minions might see him versus uh, other factions because it's like well yeah. that's that's a lot of points I have to pay for, you know. Um, but like one like I had a random moment where I was like oh, I could throw Anastasia in this list and then I could take her out never why would I ever do that like <laughs> yeah it's like I brought her so I could have plus one to go first so like why would I. Like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it kind of sounds like an idea. Then you go, wait, but I need her every time, you know? So think about that. Like, make sure like the pieces you're thinking about swapping out, make sure they're things you actually ever will swap out. Cause it's kind of, sometimes you will catch on that where you're like, oh, there's actually like, why would I ever do that? <laughs> there's just yep. not a reason to do that. Um, because otherwise you're just kind of wasting the specialists, you know, you, you, part of the reason you get the specialists is you're limiting yourself. And so you need to make the most of it. And you need to get as much out of it as you can. And, uh, yeah. And some factions are just going to be better for that than others. Um, Convergence was known for this. There's a lot of discussions about this when ADR first came out, where, uh, they tend to have a really strong roster, but they also don't have a lot of options, mm-hmm. um, as far as, like, what they can actually swap in and out. Now, there's some things, like, assimilators are really good, like, piece you can swap in and out if you need it. Um, yeah. things like that. But at the end of the day, it's like, you have a really limited subset of models. And, like, technically Grimkin does too, but the nature of Grimkin, like, yeah, everything Man. fills such an interesting role that they, Play, they make playing Grimkin on ADR is so weird because it's like before the game it's just starts, your faction, right? Like you just yeah. <laughs> before the game starts, it's like all right, I got an ADR. All right, now I see what you've ADR'd if you have it, and now I get to choose Arcana. And it's like you just you have, have so much flexibility into what that yeah. fight's gonna look like. Yeah, and I mean yeah. with Grimkin, like you get that extra forty points of specialist, and you're like, I have every tool in my faction. Yep, more or less <laughs> available to me on some level. Yeah. Like even even in the the beast heavy theme, like I've de- I've flirted with the idea of having two max units of dreadrots in my ADR and just being like, hmm, this seems like a good time for twenty weapon masters. Why not? Yeah, anybody can do that, right? Yeah, totally. Just just swing twenty weapon masters into that list. No big deal. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, that's kind of a general discussion on uh, on. Masters and Champions. So I want to just talk a little bit about kind of the impact of these rosters um, because I, I see this is a little bit off the the regular topic here, but um, I see a lot of discussions about this where like I've had people straight up like they'll look at the roster and they'll see like how good like I don't know the Mercs one is or something, and I've seen comments that are straight up like, well I guess we're just not competitive this year, you know, like kind of a thing in factions. So this, this is the thing, ADR doesn't come up very much. Uh, yeah. Steamroller doesn't use it. Um, champions, I only see, like, there's one Champions event at every convention, and that's, I've, I've seen, like, one, you know, done kind of locally. Like, uh, they're, they're not common. I've seen people do them, but they're not common. Um, masters, it's not that common. <laughs> like, this is, this is a thing that will come up in very specific instances or for events where they specifically called it out. Um, the actual impact on the game as a whole of ADR is, is pretty minor. We've usually not seen, even with really, really good ADR rosters, it's usually not made a ton of waves in the pond. Um, it, the game still goes pretty much how it usually does. It's just a cool option that you have. Um, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see this season because like we said, it's a very strong, uh, roster overall. So it'll be interesting to see if ADR kicks up a little bit, if we see more use of it in Masters. Cause a lot of time in Masters events, you'll have a couple people using it. Usually the, usually the smaller factions are using it. Um, and then a lot of the, you know, kind of more regular, uh, sized factions and regular release factions have kind of ignored it because they've usually just got those casters that are, that are way, way better. However, I'm in Protectorate where arguably one of our top three casters in my eyes is on it. So <laughs> works for me. I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually really curious. Um, and as a side note, my favorite caster is no longer on it. Um, I'm really curious to see if this really strong uh, ADR roster is an indicator that the Iron Gauntlet this year is going to be a champions event. That would be weird. That would be weird. I mean, they said it could be either champions or masters. Like it could be either one. So, and they're supposed to rotate. And Hungerford likes champions, so. Yeah, it's true. Could be interesting. I'd be down. Hmm. Hmm. And there is silence as the yeah, entire podcast that's considers a discuss- what this that's, means. That's a discussion for another time. <laughs> In the meantime, I want to thank everybody who is uh, supporting us on 
Patreon. We did our raffle. We got contact from one person, I believe. Yep. We still uh, need to hear back from Wally Kane. And actually, Kenny, uh, the third tier, has contacted me. And I am painting uh, Pyrrhus for him. Oh, that's sick. Nice. I'm going to see you. That, that yep. is, yeah. Captain Menoth himself. Um, Indeed. <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited. So, Make sure yeah. You say the rules. No Captain America shield. Yeah. Don't but, do it. But can I do no. can I do Captain can I do Captain Canuck? Yes. Yeah, nobody cares about it. It's that. the right colors, then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're too polite to bring you to court. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, you'll never get DQ'd for that. You'll just they'll just <laughs> look at they'll bring me they'll ma- bring me a maple bar. Yeah, yeah, we'll give you a donut. Uh, yeah. So yeah, just a huge thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. It's a huge help. Uh, if you want to check that out, you can go over to Patreon.com/slash LOS War Machine. Gets us to events. Gets us doing all kinds of fun stuff. It's a huge deal. Also, huge thanks to Broken Egg Games for their support. They've been awesome. They sent us all kinds of great stuff we can use to make our games super pretty. And uh, they've just been really awesome to work with. They're a really fun company. Yep. So, we're, bu- we're all chomping at the bit a little bit, but we can't say anything until maybe next week. I know. Uh, and then uh, if you want to go to their store and purchase anything, you can use the code LOS5CODE get 5% off everything on their store. Uh, you can go to our website, which is www.loswarmachine.com You can see all of our articles and stuff. We're getting pretty regular on there. Um, we got we got three writers. Yeah, I think we've had like three weeks of unbroken content every weekday. Yeah, killing it. So. Killing it. Um, yeah, so you can see all of our stuff on there. Uh, we, that's the podcast also gets posted there. So plenty of people download it there. So yeah, you already oh, know it meaningful, exists. Meaningful and directed practice. That's an article after my own heart. <laughs> uh, yep. you can contact us on Twitter at LOS underscore Chandler at LOS underscore Jaden and at chokeobsessed underscore LL. You can email us at LOSwarmhordes at gmail.com. And you can message, uh, you can message the line of sight group or just check out the line of sight group and shoot us a like so you know that we like, we know that you like what we're doing. Uh, that's just a podcast page. You can go check it out. All of our stuff gets posted there. This podcast articles, everything like that. Um, and also usually a lot of random live things during events and stuff because we can. And uh, painting stuff. Yes, a lot of Jaden's painting stuff and occasionally and, my and yours. Stuff. Yeah, occasionally. Um, and then of course you can message any of us directly on Facebook. We're pretty friendly. For the most part, mm-hmm. you can guess which one of us is terrible to talk to, but you'll have to message us to find out. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know. Oh. I've built a lot of Helgolists. I'm in. we're we all love talking to everybody. Uh, I get all kinds of messages from people, so it's always a lot of fun talking to people. And yeah, I think that's it. We did what? it. It's uh, the twenty twenty fifth one in a row. Oh, don't call it now. Now it's gonna get lost to the other. Yeah, right. Uh. Yeah. Don't screw it with me, recorder. Don't do it. (laughs) All right, everybody. We will see you around next week for episode twenty six. Thank you.